0: Welcome to the North Pole, everybody. It's playoff time, and the Chicago Bears have made it. Andy Hopper coming on the show to talk about it with me uh, from the brew party. And then you have the Green Bay Packers from the NFC North, the only or one of the only teams in the NFL that are one of the only divisions, rather, that have two teams. The AFC North also has two teams making the playoffs. going to talk about the AFC North later in the show. With Caitlin McCarthy from the kicking off with Caitlin podcast, her Baltimore Ravens are going to be playing the Tennessee Titans again for a second year straight. Um, excited to talk to her. She's coming on halfway through the show around 825, 830-ish. But without further ado, let's bring on Andy Hopper from the Brew Party to talk about the Bears Saints game. Andy, how are we doing tonight?
1: Three words, Gabe. Let's go, Mitch. Let's go, Bears. Bear down. That's all I'm doing. We snuck into the playoffs. I'm not apologizing to anybody. Eight and eight. Screw the sixth game, losing streak. We're there. Um, But I'm feeling great. I am so happy to be back on. This is always uh, one of my favorite shows to do. By the way, one of the most electric intros I think I've ever seen in my life, dude. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful.
0: I have had to find a Bears highlight. There's a lot of low lights for the Bears, but the Bears highlight, I think it was Allen Robinson's or Anthony Miller's game winning catch against the Falcons that I put in there. The only good thing Anthony Miller has done all season. I'm pretty sure. You Um, take what you can get. Yeah, the, the Bears, man, they got here without a quarterback really for almost the whole season until really late in the year, Mitch Trubisky started picking it up. The weirdest thing about this season for the Bears, and I'm sure you'll agree with it, is that every time they've won, they've won back-to-back games, at least two. They've gotten wins in bunches. They had a three-game win streak to start the year. Then they had a two-game win streak. Then they had another three-game win streak from weeks 14 through 17. Why is this happening with Chicago? Do you think this is finally the time where they got it together? Uh, give me your thoughts on just before we get into the saints game, what are your thoughts on how their season went? Uh, don't let us get hot. I guess that's what, that's what you got
1: to say streaky team. Uh, obviously you mentioned those three winning streaks and then you can't talk about this season without the six game without talking about the six game losing streak, uh, going into the season, man, I said, I'd be thrilled to like a nine and seven or a 10 and six. And I, I honestly, if you look back at the season, that was attainable for this team. There were a couple games, like you look back at the second Lions game that they blew uh, that could have got them to nine wins uh, and they wouldn't even really had to worry and sweat it out. Shout out to the L.A. Rams, though, for uh, taking care of business against the Arizona Cardinals. But I guess disappointing is the word for the year, but they're in the playoffs. So what, what more can you ask? I, I mean, I know they're the seventh seed and they got to go play a really tough Saints team, but... Um, I was something I need to eat my words on that I said earlier in the year. I I agreed with the whole Nick Foles uh, thing and it was just an absolute disaster. Mitchell Trubisky, I don't think should ever have been benched. I think this should have been his team from the start. And uh, his six weeks uh, playing to end the year, hasn't looked too bad. You you mentioned the three game winning streak during that three game winning streak. He had six touchdowns to only two interceptions. Uh, That's good. And, Obviously, he's going to take less sacks than Nick Foles is. the The last three games, he only had three sacks combined, uh, or he only took three sacks combined, just one in each game. So you got to stay positive, I guess, man. We're in the playoffs, eight and eight. Uh, we don't have the worst record in the playoffs. Shout out to the football team.
0: Yeah, and I don't think you guys are are a seven seed, and your your defense, I think, is a top two defense in the NFC as of right now. I think the Saints and the Bears arguably have the best defenses in the nfc right now um and maybe the bears have a top three defense overall roquan smith out for the season did that injury happen in the last week of the season uh i wasn't paying attention to when he got hurt
1: uh yeah it happened in the packers game i really turned the tides uh brought in josh woods as a backup and it just did not go well i think the one thing I'm really confused about Pagano's scheme is why he's expecting his linebackers to keep up with receivers, especially guy, ugh, excuse me, especially guys that are playing in the slot that are way faster than them. We saw that deep touchdown to Marquez, Val- Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, and then he would have had another one if he didn't drop it. But shocker, he dropped a pass. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, if Smith's, if Smith is out, I, on ESPN, it had him listed as questionable, but if, if you're telling me he's out for the year, I, I'm going to be pretty upset about that. To be honest, that's a huge loss for this defense.
0: Yeah. You mentioned, I think he is a top three rated coverage, uh, linebacker in PFF and, Maybe the Bears just went with Roquan Smith covering slot receivers because Buster Screen wasn't getting it done. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, he was out for that game, too. Was Buster... he?
0: There you go. There Buster you go.
1: Screen, Jalen Johnson, and Deion Bush all also out uh, for the mm-hmm. playoff game. So the this Bears secondary is very weak right now. Duke Shelley got absolutely torched in the Packers game. He did not look very good. Kendall Vildor, the rookie, hasn't looked bad, you know, in a tight spot, but it, they're really missing. Jalen Johnson out there, and as much as I hate to say it, Buster screen because he hasn't looked great this year, but I think he's a little bit better than the uh, guys he's ahead of on the depth chart.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, as a Vikings fan, I never thought I would be saying I wish we had Xavier Rhodes back, but this season I was literally saying, man, I wish we didn't get rid of him, but (laughs) based on the way he played last year, we should have. Just a little bit about the Bears' season. Um, In the games the Bears have won this year, I think it's worth noting the defenses they've beaten. I mean, we have to look at the games they beat against week 14 through week 16. They beat the Texans, Jags, and it was the Vikings. Yeah. So defense not really being played there. Um, second worst defense in the league, the Texans. Fourth worst, Jaguars. Vikings, sixth worst. And then you have the Panthers they beat earlier in the season. They have the seventh worst. Uh, it doesn't stop there, Andy. I'm sorry. And I don't mean to, to come off as rude, but uh, the Falcons also had the 11th worst defense, and that was when Dan Quinn was still coaching the team, when they weren't even playing that hard for Dan Quinn. So <laughs> you guys have two quality wins, in my opinion, on your resume. It's the Bucks and the Giants. Both games you guys scored 20 points or less. Um, but this offense, is it different now? Trubisky, mo- that three-win that three game win streak early on in the season, the bears offense was moving the ball well, and they got rid of Trubisky and their offense hit a wall with Foles. So do you think Trubisky can compete against a top level defense? Is this finally Trubisky's chance to redeem himself?
1: I absolutely is his chance to redeem himself. Is he going to, I I can't tell you that. Um, He has a chance to compete. He's got to prove that he can. I think They kind of it was weird because Matt Nagy kind of finally realized that, hey, we can move the ball down the field. If we rely on our running game, David Montgomery, if you get David Montgomery 20 plus carries a game, you are going to win a lot. Uh, Okay, not a lot, but you're going to win more, more times than not. Like your offense is going to be more successful than if not. Uh, if you can get Trubisky to just make those quick, easy reads, check down when he needs to, and then we saw him hit that deep ball to Tarnell Mooney. I stood up out of my uh, chair and said, "We just see Mitchell Trubisky make that throw." So, I mean, the Saints are a top five defense in the NFL; they're fourth rushing defense in the league. Uh, I don't know, believe the fifth pass defense in the league. So he's gonna have a lot uh, on his plate.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's a very good point. The Saints, the Saints do have a really good defense, but. I, they they say they have such a good defense. And I look at games like the Vikings and the Packers game, where this and even the first Bears matchup, where the Bears really minus two field goals that they should have finished the drives with touchdowns, they're putting up 30 points on Soldier Field with Nick Foles starting at quarterback. Uh, the Saints defense isn't perfect. And I want to note that in the first meeting, when the game went to overtime, the Saints won 26 23. Allen Robinson had a field day against Marshawn Lattimore, seven for eight receiving, uh, seven catches on eight targets. And for over 100 yards, um, eight or under 187 yards and a touchdown. When thrown to, he had a 158 passer rating that Nick Foles did, which I believe is perfect. Um, so Allen Robinson has had a hot last four games of the year, 346 yards in the last four games. And he only had 37 against Green Bay in that last matchup. How important is Allen Robinson in this game? You mentioned David Montgomery, but what about your number one guy, Allen Robinson?
1: He's going to be huge, especially if Darnell Mooney is questionable going into this game. We saw Darnell Mooney really break out and have his best game of the year against the Packers with the 90 plus yards and a touchdown. Uh, Allen Robinson was, I think, nursing an injury quietly in that game. I think that's why he didn't really get a lot of targets, wasn't featured, kind of used as a decoy. But you, you said it, you know, the 87 yards against Marshawn Lattimore in the first matchup, uh, a- AR is Mitch's favorite target. So I think he's going to be very heavily used. I think he's going to be very important to this offense because, you know, I think you use him in the play-action game. You set up the run with David Montgomery, uh, If second and short, put Mitch in a bootleg and see what you can do. I mean, I know we did see Mitch check down a lot. He, hev- he utterly heavilized... Heavily utilized <laughs> uh, Cole Komet as well. And uh, I think he'll be pretty important. I'd like to see uh, how much more they can get him involved in the offense. But I think it all starts with Dave Montgomery. Like in the in the uh, final three, in that three-game win streak at the end of the year, David Montgomery had 66 carries for 354 rush yards and four touchdowns. He was averaging over five yards a carry with that, his best game against your Minnesota Vikings, the 32 rushes, 146 yards, two tutties. Uh, And then we even saw him in the Packers game. They were able to use him in the pass game. He had over 60 reception yards there. So I don't know, man. I think as of right now, he is your number one option on, on offense. As far as Trubisky goes, you just have to take care of the ball. Uh, You know, like I said, Mooney being out could potentially be huge. Uh, He was not only able to be a deep threat, but he was used in motion and shovel passes. They uh, in short, quick passes, he was able to get a lot of yards after the catch. Does Anthony Miller step up as a number two receiver there? What do we see? What do we get from Jimmy Graham? Uh, I think that's a question. And in the last game, Nick Foles took five sacks for like for like 39 yards. That, That just can't happen. In this game, especially against this defense, I believe four different players uh, recorded a sack and then you had two guys uh, each have were credited with a half one, but the OLS a little bit more put together at this point of the year that a little bit more of a solid group and they just really can't can't give up the sack. But like I mentioned earlier, Trubisky has been better. At avoiding sacks, you know, the first three games when he was reinserted in the lineup, he took three, two and then three. But then, like I said, the last three weeks of the year, he was only had three total. So he's been able to use his legs. He's going to have to make some plays, catch some people off guard uh, and just take care of the football. That's what that is. The main thing here. Uh, Just take care of the ball. We saw him make a couple of just really head scratching throws. I, I don't remember what game it was. It might have been Jacksonville but the broadcaster said that's a high school mistake right there, which is just not what you want to see. But I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for Mitch. This is potentially his last game as a bear. I'd like them to bring him back on maybe a one year deal next year. Just see what you got. But I really like the fire he's shown the leadership and, and just, you know, not putting his head down, keeping, keeping the work going uh, through the end of the year.
0: Excuse me. Yeah. Well said, um, the offensive line you mentioned, that's such an important part for the Bears offense. When their offensive line is playing well, the Bears offense can move the ball pretty well. David Montgomery has done everything by himself this year when it comes to carrying the ball. I just wanted to point out, you yeah. mentioned how awesome David Montgomery. I've been a huge fan of him the entire season. His stats don't indicate that he's had an amazing year. He has right. just over a thousand rushing yards, but three and a 3.15 yards after contact per carry. I think he only averages 4.1 yards a carry. Exactly. That's 75% of his rushing yards is coming after contact. The only guy that I know who has something similar to that is Derrick Henry, uh, David Montgomery, but in, in a way, David Montgomery is a little bit more versatile than Derrick Henry. Cause you mentioned David Montgomery can be utilized way more in the passing game. He's kind of like a rugby player, the way he runs the ball. Um, I really like David Montgomery. Let's get to some comments before we move on. i want to talk about the bears defensive front and talk about the saints offensive line in a little bit. Um, first let's start with Nick Barnes. Happy new year, Gabe. Thank you, Nick. (laughs) Appreciate that. Uh, let's go to Tom Scavetta's comment. I think the bucks are above the bears. What about the Rams? I think he was alluding to their defense. Uh, any thoughts on that, Andy? I, I mean, the bucks defense is really good. Um, I don't know. That's that's a question for you. Uh I mean,
1: I'm most concerned about the defense. We've already talked about the injuries. I think with the injuries the Bears defense is currently sustaining, the Bucks and the Rams both I would say are better units right now.
0: It's good good answer. And then um yes, Nick Barnes agrees. And then Hank, at this point everyone is 0 and 0. Good luck this week, Andy. Let's go, Hank. My <laughs> guy. My guy. And I did see, I mean, everybody's zero and zero, but the odds makers uh, in Vegas still think the Bears had a rough regular season. They're putting this game at nine and a half Bears underdog. I am going, yeah, that is disrespectful. And the Bears, you never disrespect the Bears when you're Vegas. Every time they get a tough spread against them, they always cover. So I want. I did want to ask you at some point, Bears cover easily, right? As a p- person who bets a lot. So they're
1: eight and eight against the spread on the year. So I don't know, but the saints are only nine and seven against the spread. So it's, it's very, I think it's very up in the air, but eight and a half or nine and a half in a playoff game. When it, a game, uh, the previous matchup was an overtime and only separated by a field goal. Like, I don't know. It feels like a lot. I'm always weary to bet on the bears. Cause I always, I always, I already live and die so hard with them. So if I lose, Or if they lose, then I lose. I'm just even more pissed. But I think their money line is currently like plus 400s. They're not really giving them a shot.
0: Yeah, no, not at all. It's funny because I actually – I was in a pool. I I sent you a picture by accident, but I I won a lot of money in this pool where I picked the spreads. And I actually – I counted up all 16 games that the Bears played this year. I was 12-4 and this year picking the Bears in the spread. (laughs) <laughs> um, so I, I take pride in my ability to pick the Bears spread pretty well. I think I'm actually better at picking Bears games than I am at picking Vikings games. Which, and I'm a very unbiased Vikings picker when it comes to money on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, but getting back to it, um, uh, one thing I wanted to note was Drew Brees' injury is still really important. And if you watch that Christmas Day game versus the Vikings. Drew Brees was not himself throwing the ball every time. And these were not big guys from the Vikings coming at him. Khalil Mack was not on the field. Nobody with any strength for Minnesota was coming at him. And Drew Brees was uh, kind of changing the way he threw. He was short arming balls a ton. Don't expect Drew Brees to take big steps into the pocket and get throws down the field in this game. What are your thoughts on Chicago? Should they press cover heavily and try to exploit Drew Brees' injury? I would never hope for another team to injure an opposing team's quarterback in the postseason, but I'm pretty sure the Saints have done that against a 41-year-old quarterback themselves in the 2009 NFC Championship game when it was Brett Favre. So there's some bad blood here. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, bro, I, I... They should. I think you have to pressure Drew Brees. Uh, we know Michael Thomas is on IR. He's not going to be available. I believe Emmanuel Sanders is there, They, someone they didn't have in the first matchup against the Bears. If you go back to the first matchup, I know Drew Brees wasn't really hurt, but to me, he's been making those throws all year, Gabe. He has not looked right all year, even before the injury. Uh, he was not taking those deep shots. It's a lot of checkdowns, a lot of short throws, but he was able to still throw for 280 yards, Uh, two touchdowns. He only took one sack in the first game. That was by Khalil Mack. They're going to have to get more pressure than that. Uh, They only had, I believe seven and a half tackles uh, for loss. That one sack and three quarterback hits. I think that's just not going to cut it. Akeem Hicks, I believe only had like three total tackles. He's going to have to be able to uh, get, bring pressure up the middle. Look for him to have a little bit more juice. This is the team that drafted him. He is a former Saint. If you put, uh, any weight into that kind of thing. But uh, Akeem Hicks is really fun to watch, especially uh, getting in people's faces after the ball, uh, after the game is over. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I agree. If Mitch can make some throws, the Bears can win. Like the they are, but it, it's all about, I think they're going to have to have some turnover luck. I think that is all about it. That is not all about it, but I think that is going to be a huge thing for me. Uh, New Orleans th- fumbled the ball three times, in the first game, but they recovered all of them. And then if you're jumping back to last week against the Packers, (laughs) the bears had three opportunities to pick off Aaron Rodgers, dropped the ball. Hopefully the turnover luck will be on our side this time. You think eventually they're going to be due for one. Uh, But they, the bears defense was really able to keep uh, the new Orleans offense off the field on third downs. New Orleans is only two for 13 on third down. So if they can do that, keep drew Brees off the field uh, keep Alvin Kamara off the field, actually, because he was the one that really hurt them. You know, only 12 carries for 67 yards in the first matchup, but nine receptions for 96 yards. Uh, like I said, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders were out, so they just utilized him heavy. They went to Jared Cook, who had five receptions for 51 and a touchdown. Then Taysom Hill, uh, he is questionable for this game, I believe. So will he be used in the last game? He had five rushes for 35 yards. That's seven yards a carry, and then he did have those two, catches one of those being for a touchdown so he's that guy that they could put anywhere maybe he'll come in to throw a deep ball if Drew Brees uh isn't feeling like it but I don't know as far as the Bears defense goes I think you're exactly right you you go into press coverage and you just bring the house not uh not the zero blitz like like with the Jets against the Raiders but uh, you know try to get somebody to breeze try to force a mistake
0: yeah not the Madden engage eight press coverage strategy um but the um Another note I wanted to uh, uh, thing I wanted to note was in that first matchup, the Bears or the Bears had the fourth best rushing defensive performance according to PFF on the season, and that's against Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray, arguably the best running back duo in the NFL right now. So, I think you mentioned third down is so important getting off the field, and they did that so well not only in the Saints game week eight, but in the entire season. But first and second down with Akeem Hicks just stuffing everything. If that first quarter, the Saints try to run the ball on first down and it gets nowhere, I think the Bears have a very optimistic second through fourth quarter. That first quarter is going to be a real test to see how is that, how is Akeem Hicks stuffing the run? How is Alvin Kamara doing? They will be very quick to abort the run game because they do really like to pass the ball in New Orleans. And don't be surprised if they throw another Taysom Hill deep ball. They did that last year in the wild card game against the Vikings to Tommy Lee Lewis for like 50 yards, and it and it worked really well. <laughs> They're going to do a lot. Of, the Saints play, not only do they play a little dirty, but they play with a lot of trickery, and they try to pull out all the stops when it matters the most. Uh, they did that in the Super Bowl years ago when they ran the onside kick. Um, another thing to note, though, was that the bears had the third worst pass rushing performance of their season against the saints week eight. So getting to the quarterback is going to be so crucial for them. Brent urban is one of their highest rated guys on the D line. Obviously Khalil Mack, number one defensive end, Mm -hmm. um, Nichols, another really good defensive tackle. What are they missing on defense right now in their front seven? If anything, if they're missing anything,
1: I mean, you got to look at Robert Quinn's production from this year. They're paying him a lot of money, and he really hasn't. Five years,
0: much. $50 million. I don't know. And he's, and he's 31 years old, I think.
1: I don't know if it's like still getting used to the scheme, if he's not fully getting it or or what. But I think he's someone that they were expecting to get a lot more out of. But, I mean, you you said it. Brent Urban and Bilal Nichols have been absolutely fantastic for this team. I think Barkevius Mingo has been a great addition as well. Uh, I'd really like them to get pressure. But, yeah, I think as far as what they're missing is that guy that they thought Robert Quinn was going to be, the 11.5 sacks from last year uh, with the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. You guys have to deal with that for five more years that's stuff, Barkevius Mingo. Hey, if he comes out of nowhere and gives you guys good production, I don't think the Bears will have any problem getting rid of Robert Quinn. Barkevius Mingo's still pretty young. The guy got drafted when he was like twelve years old out of LSU, and <laughs> well, never panned out. But they let
1: they let Leonard Floyd walk, and then of course he gets ten sacks this year for the Rams. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, try to move on from Robert Quinn, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. You guys had Leonard Floyd for how many years? Was he on the Bears?
1: To his in, through his rookie deal, so uh, two.
0: Or oh wow! Okay, so you guys yeah. had him on that 2018 squad. Mm-hmm. Jeez, that would have been interesting if you guys hung on to that entire. If you guys still had that same defense, I mean, there's was, still there's so still had, a lot of those players though.
1: When it yeah, he just really struggled um, lat, uh, in 20. The, the year after the playoff run and and they just were like, Hey, we can't pay you. They decided to pay a couple of the other younger guys. So, I mean, I, I don't really miss him too much. Good for him for going out to LA and, and getting those 10 sacks, but uh, it, it is what it is at this point.
0: Yeah. And the, before I, I let you go, Andy, I want to just finish off with your top three keys to the game for the Chicago bears to win this one. Andy can yeah oh oh I'm sorry I thought yeah, you were yeah, playing, yeah. I thought you were playing a
1: graphic I, I apologize
0: no 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 I, I, I never so end up actually making a graphic for that I, I, I that was, <laughs> this is the I'm graphic sorry. I have, Andy. You want to, you, yep, there's the graphic. Beautiful. Andy's I, keys to the game. <laughs> yeah, when you texted me, that's what I, that's what I, I was kind of like, like. Oh, I wonder what I, he I, uh, I,
1: put together here. My fault, I apologize for that. So, my keys to the game first of all, limit Alvin Kamara. I mentioned how much he was able to kill us in the first game, uh, not only on the ground, I mean, I guess they did kind of contain him on the ground, you know, 67 isn't isn't that many but what he was able to do in the past game definitely scares me but he's so versatile he's the Saints leader this year in rush and pass yards with over 900 rush yards and over 700 uh, receiving yards that I say pass yards Rece- receiving yards is what I meant Um, so yeah I think that's first Win the turnover battle Mitch has got to take care of the ball and then yeah like we said Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack have to get pressure Uh the offensive line you have to protect Mitchell Trubisky, you know, we can't be giving up five sacks in the last game. New Orleans had five sacks, ten and a half tackles for lost and eight QB hits. You have to protect the quarterback block for the uh, block for David Montgomery. Make sure he gets big holes. And uh, and like I said, like he he needs to be the center of this offense. I feel like if he goes for 22, 23 plus carries, the Bears are going to be in a good spot. Keep the throws easy for Mitch you know, not do anything too serious. We did see he can complete a deep ball to, uh, with that one, to Darnell Mooney, but just keep it simple. I think they, they found, they know what works. They need to not get too cute offensively. And then Pagano needs to really fix his scheme. I really don't want any linebackers, uh, dropping back into coverage on, on deep routes.
0: Yeah. that And that would be, if, if linebackers are playing defense this is going to be a long game. Drew Brees, will will thread the needle on these short throws. He he does it every year. They need to have good coverage. If you got good coverage, you stop Kamara. I think the Bears have a great great chance. Before you go Andy, I just wanted to ask you what is your score prediction for this game? Oh, okay. Uh so I think it'll be
1: high scoring. I think it'll I think it'll go over 26-23 like we saw the last time. So I'm going to say I we'll have to pick the Bears to win, obviously uh 35 28 bears hammer the bears money line plus 400 don't actually believe me it, it, <laughs> <laughs> that is coming from that's me trying to be an optimist as a bears fan uh no field goals I, in
0: this game huh not oh
1: <laughs> uh, yeah i i don't know cairo cairo santos has been absolutely in- incredible we found that- our we found our kicker that's the one piece <laughs> we've been able to find this year ladies and gentlemen oh, man. Cairo Santos has been incredible
0: That's great. Good for you guys. We're still looking for one. Um, Till next time, Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Good luck to the Bears. Really, really hoping they beat the Saints. I love seeing the Saints lose. Have a good one, Andy. Good luck.
1: Thank you, man. Uh, Gabe, it's always a pleasure to come on. Uh, Let's go, Bears. Bear down. Check me out at the Brew Party Podcast uh, at the Brew Party Podcast. At the Brew Party podcast on Facebook, at the Brew Party on Twitter and Instagram. Just released a new episode uh, yesterday with Jermaine Robuck. He plays professional basketball in Portugal. He's on his second professional basketball contract. Went from averaging two points a game as a senior in high school to twenty points and nine rebounds as a senior in college. Incredible story. Awesome interview. Anywhere you get your podcast or on YouTube, uh, just search the Brew Party. Gabe, you're the man. Love the show. Let's go, Mitch.
0: Thanks, Andy. And everybody check out the brew party. See you later, Andy. Thanks, man. That was Andy Hopper from the brew party. And now coming up next is Caitlin McCarthy from the Kicking Off with Caitlin podcast to talk about the Ravens-Titans game. And hello, Caitlin. Let me try to get this Bears background off and get the Ravens one on. How are (laughs) we doing tonight, Caitlin?
2: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm doing really well. Um and I'm really, really excited to watch this Ravens-Titans game. This is going to be a fantastic game. The Ravens are playing so well right now. Titans are also playing pretty darn good, minus that Green Bay Packers game in the snow, which they looked like they've never played in the snow before. Mm-hmm. Um, but Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, fully healthy, no COVID. Most of your guys are pretty healthy coming in this game. Before we get into the game, let's just break down the Raven season in a nutshell. They're hot right now. What went right for them uh, at the end of the year?
2: Um, I feel that we kind of came together as a team because we did struggle in the middle of the season. Uh, three straight losses in the middle of the season that I felt that we needed to get momentum for the time that was needed. Like right now is the time to get hot, and this is when we're getting hot. Um, I feel that the rookies stepped up more towards the end of the season, like J.K. Dobbins. He's been phenomenal the entire season, but he really pushed through the last uh, about five games. He definitely took over the starting job over Mark Ingram, no question about that. And I felt that he's worked really well with Gus Edwards this past season. And another rookie I want to mention is uh, Patrick Queen. He's been phenomenal on defense, really filled in with that linebacker position that we struggled with last season, Uh, The three sacks, two forced fumbles, interception, um, a touchdown—he's been great and been such a big factor for the defense. And despite all the injuries that we've had and the COVID issues, I also feel that our secondary was pretty decent, especially Marlon Humphrey. Um, I feel like he's not been talked about enough. He has eight forced fumbles, interception, eleven passes deflected, and nobody's talking about him. And I feel like he's going to need to come up big for the game coming up, but he's just been so phenomenal the whole season. He's been healthy the whole season because like Jimmy Smith's been uh, shaky the whole year. Marcus Peters had that cap injury. Um, So besides Marlon Humphrey in that secondary, I feel like he's been the only one that's been able to play like all 16 games and uh, done them well. So I feel that everyone on the team has just come together and um, really pulled together in the last few weeks to be as good as we are right now.
0: Yeah, I think John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in football. He never gets away from his system. That identity of ground and pound, play good defense. I just want to note the Ravens have not lost a game when they've scored over 30 points since, uh, since 2016. It's been five years. So the Ravens play strong to their identity, which is just take as much air out of the ball as possible keep the ball out of the other team's hands. They're going to have to do a ton of that versus the Tennessee Titans. Uh, before we get there, though, um, what makes this team? I have a question for you. What makes this team different than last year's team? Uh, they're they're still playing really well, but their record, I think they have one less win than last year. Is there anything truly different about the Ravens this year than last year?
2: Um. Yes and no. Um, I definitely think it has depended on who we played last year and who we played this year and, obviously, every other uh, team. Like um, the Bills, they weren't as good last year. They've been better. Um, also, the Steelers, they've they they were. They've been be- big Ben uh, miss since week two last year, so the Steelers weren't kind of in that. Um, also, the Browns, they weren't good last year either, and we always had to play them twice a year as well. So um, I feel that. Not only our team has changed, but the other teams as well. Um, last year we were fourteen and two. Um, we kind of just went on a big stretch, but this year we end up eleven and five. And I felt that every game that we lost, we could have won um, because other than the Chiefs game, the Ravens they were only down one score, and I felt like they just couldn't finish the game. And especially for that Ravens Titans game that happened in week eleven this season, we went into overtime, and they just. Derrick Henry, uh, he just went in for the touchdown. I felt like the defense kind of gave up. Definitely like that we could have won these games. But um, other than that, I feel that Lamar, he's been more developing as a pocket passer than he was last season. He definitely still needs a little bit more work. But in the last couple of games, especially in the Giants game, he's looked so comfortable in the pocket. And he just looks like more of um, a passing quarterback than he has in uh, past years and past seasons um and not only that on the defensive side i feel that like i kind of mentioned a little bit before that our linebacker posi- position is also stronger i feel like we filled in those gaps on defense to make us a better team for this matchup coming up on sunday
0: yeah it's an excellent point lamar jackson he's he's still got that electric ability to run the ball and what i love about the ravens is that they they utilize all of their running backs really well they don't have one feature back on this offense. Um, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards have been getting most of the carries this year. Not a lot of Mark Ingram, but how confident are you in J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards to carry the torch and kind of be the MVPs of this game outside of Lamar Jackson?
2: I'm very confident about um, each of them. I think that they work really well together um, separating the carries on offense, Dobbins had over 800 yards this season, about six yards per carry, and then Gus Edwards was just a little bit behind him. He had a little bit more than 700 rushing yards, about five yards per carry. Um, both of them produce so much on that offense, and they're a huge part of their offense. I couldn't see the offense being as productive as they are without either of them. So that we need both of them to be successful on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but I feel that each week they get better and better, and um, they both have. Been really versatile. They've been great. Even J.K. Dobbins, sometimes we put him in as a slot receiver, and he's excelled in that position as well. And um not only that, obviously we do have Lamar. He still um is a, a runner. Um he had another thousand yard season this year, but I feel that our main focus, obviously, for the running game should be Dobbins and Edwards, and I think they do a great job at it.
0: Yeah, and what I love about these guys they are bruising running backs, they are not like skinny, small elusive guys they hit the hole and they just go for it same with mark ingram i think john harbaugh has really looked for those kinds of guys as the coach because that's kind of they don't want guys who are going to blow up for 80 yards on any given run they want guys that you know can get that four to five yards really well and wear out at defense because like i said before it really plays to their system in baltimore and then lamar jackson he's probably the fastest guy on the field outside of Hollywood Brown. On any snap for Baltimore, um, but let's talk about Hollywood Brown because he's he's been in the news a lot just from going from dropping all those balls it, against Cleveland to then really redeeming himself in the last uh, couple weeks of the season. So, Mark, what are your thoughts on Marquise Brown? Is he is he one of the, your your bright spots on the offense right now?
2: Um, as of right now at this moment, yes. But uh, about three <laughs> weeks ago, no. Um. He's been doing better. Um, he's been coming up clutch in uh, certain areas that we needed him to, especially in that Browns game a few weeks ago when we needed that um, touchdown on fourth and five, and he came up big with a 44-yard touchdown. But also what I've noticed about him, he has progressed better in the season. Uh, he only he had two touchdowns last week, um, and also he had six touchdowns since week 12. And before that, from week one to 11, he only had two touchdowns. So Definitely between those, I you can see how much better he's been doing. He's also hasn't been dropping as many balls because that was also an issue. So I feel that he's becoming um a bigger factor to the offense that we definitely need because we do need um strength in our wide receiver position.
0: Yeah, another guy we could talk about is Des Bryant. I love Des Bryant. I think he's he's a vet he's definitely a veteran receiver who's been there before. He he hasn't won a playoff game, I don't think, in his entire career. But um, is how is his impact? Lamar Jackson needs receivers. Willie Snead, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Willie Snead. He seems kind of useless out there on the field most of the time. Um, other guys on the offense, obviously Mark Andrews, we know what he can do. But it seems like every time Lamar Jackson throws to Mark Andrews, it has to be a beautiful thread-the-needle lob pass over the middle. Yeah. And it, it connects half the time beautifully or it doesn't connect. But he needs a guy who can get open well. Is Dez Bryant a good number two receiver, or is, is Willie Sneed the number two right now?
2: Um, Definitely not Willie Sneed. Um, I know that he's dealing with like an ankle injury. He might not even play on Sunday. Um, Honestly, if he doesn't play or not, I feel like it doesn't even make a difference if he does because he doesn't do much like you said. I feel that Dez Bryant can become a big part of this offense, but he definitely needs um, a little bit – more reps, um, things like that. Like he got another touchdown against the Giants last week. And I felt like that was a big moment because um, he obviously is used to playing the Giants twice a year when he was on the Cowboys. So um, it was nice to see that. And I feel that he's a good veteran and I feel that he can teach like Hollywood Brown and like the younger receivers, like things that he's learned from to be successful. But other than that, um, I mean, I guess looking forward, I was actually thinking about this. I've always said I wanted a um, receiver in the draft, but now that I'm thinking about the receivers that we have drafted, such as Bashar Perriman, um, like Hollywood Brown hasn't been that good. Other people in the draft that we have drafted as a wide receiver, we've never been able to develop them um, coming out of college. We've always been better with veterans such as Anquan Bolden, Steve Smith, people like that. So um, looking into the future – for the off season, I think I would rather have a wide receiver, get him off a free agency and, and have someone that's already uh, used to being in the league. Cause already had experience. I feel that'd be more successful for our offense. Um, and also could um, probably give some tips to Lamar as well.
0: Yeah. It's an excellent point. You guys are like the Vikings when it comes to quarterbacks. We went through mm-hmm. Donovan McNabb, a guy named Gus Farrat back in the day, Brad Johnson. Um, it never ends Brett, uh, I mentioned Brett Favre. Uh, It just The list goes on and on of wash-up quarterbacks we've gotten. Um, I think also Baltimore signed two uh, Armed Forces guys. I remember Trent Steelman from Army played receiver on their practice squad. Keenan Reynolds from Navy also played receiver. They were quarterbacks at Army and Navy. They signed them as a receiver. They never made the team, but I think that's interesting that John Harbaugh goes to Armed Forces guys who run the option which I always compare Baltimore's offense to an armed forces kind of offense where they just run run you to the ground and beat you with stamina. Um, yeah. But let's get to the Titans now. Another team that tries to wear you down, uh, beat you up, and just make you not want to play football anymore. I think Derrick Henry scares the living day out of everybody on the football field. But when it's the playoffs, you got to tackle them and you got to put full effort. I don't think the Ravens are afraid of anybody. The Ravens defense is a mean group of guys. You got Matthew Judon, uh, Yannick Ngakwe now, Patrick Queen. You mentioned all those guys. But the defense couldn't get it done last year. Ryan Tannehill had a big day against you guys. Derrick Henry also had a big day uh, in the divisional game. They also beat you guys in the first matchup this year in OT, 30-24, to 24, when Derrick Henry had a go-ahead or a game-winning 40-yard touchdown run. So what went wrong in the first two meetings uh, the past the past year or so?
2: Um, I definitely think that – so in the beginning of each of those games, I felt that we were able to contain Derrick Henry uh, morally in the first half. But once it came to the second half, I feel like the defense was tired. They gave up. Um, so I definitely feel that it mostly comes down to Derrick Henry. But I also want, think that the defense should be aware of Ryan Tannehill. I noticed in last week's game – um, against the Texans he was um, uh, keeping the ball a lot more than I've expected him to um, he's been a little bit more of a runner this year too um, which was not something um, I've seen him do in previous games I noticed that actually like last week against the Texans he would just keep the ball and like the defense was totally blindsided to that um, so I also think that it's really just going to come down to the defense being able to stop um that offense and the defense is going to have to make turnovers they're gonna have to make big plays um i think that the ravens definitely have a lot of momentum going into this game since we have won five straight they know what they did to us last year they kicked us out our first playoff game they beat us in overtime i really feel that we have a chance at this but it's all going to come down to how we can contain derrick henry
0: yeah in the in the first game this year the first matchup derrick henry 28 attempts or this was in the 2019 divisional round derrick henry 28 attempts 133 yards and a touchdown uh that's a ton of attempts the titans have no problem giving the ball to him every play if he's getting four to five yards to carry uh and of those 133 yards caitlin 101 of them were after contact uh so how do you tackle derrick henry Uh, i think we have a comment from Tom Scavetta, how are you going to, how are they going to stop Derrick Henry? It's a very, very difficult question. I know, I do know how to form tackle. I was taught when I played high school football, I to properly hawk and roll where you wrap up from the legs and then you barrel roll and try to twist their legs. Derrick Henry has very actually skinny legs. It's very odd to look at him on the field. He has very skinny legs, but a giant upper body but he's so hard to tackle because he puts his shoulder down and he uses the stiff arm so well. So plain and simple, how do you stop the guy?
2: Um, I think it's honestly going to come to our front three defensive linemen, Derek, Wolf, Clay's Campbell, Brandon Williams, and they're all going to be healthy for this game, which they haven't all three played in a while altogether. They've struggled with injuries. Um, Brandon Williams had COVID more than once. um, So, all three of them, it's going to come down to them. They're going to be the first ones to get their hands on Derrick Henry, and they're going to have to be able to stop them first and um, put a stop to his run game. And I feel that um, if they can stop him and get just tackle him right there um, at the line of scrimmage or two yards after, uh, that will be able to contain him for most of uh, the game.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the front, front three. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, kind of your pass-rushing defensive end. He's not a great run-stopping guy, but I will note in that first matchup in Week 11, your top two PFF-performing defensive players was Yannick Ngakwe at 93 overall defensive performance and Matthew Judon at 85.2. So those guys, if they step up and have a big game, that could be really important for Baltimore. Um, Baltimore, in Week 11, they had their second-worst tackling grade of the season, according to PFF. That makes sense. You're going up against Derrick Henry, Um, but they had their second best pass rushing grade and their pass rush. I mean, the Titans have, have such a good receiving core. You got Corey Davis, AJ Brown. What are your thoughts? How do you get to Ryan Tannehill in this game and prevent them from getting gashing you guys with that over the top ball to Johnu Smith, AJ Brown and Corey Davis. Uh, we're definitely going to have to apply a lot of pressure, probably going to blitz a lot on defense
2: um, in order to give to get the ball out of Ryan Tannehill's hands fast um, because if we can't do that, then they're just going to run all over the field. But I also think um, that we have great corners. Marcus Peters is healthy again. He's playing. He's um, over that calf injury, so he's going to have to come up big uh, covering those receivers as well as Marlon Humphrey. Um, so I feel that if just everybody does their part on defense, the secondary does what they have to do. Um, the linebackers and defensive line, they do what they have to do. We have a pretty good shot, shot at this, um, whether it's Derek Henry running the ball or, um, AJ Brown, um, uh, receiving on the offense. We just have to find a way to stop, uh, is getting the ball at that point.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, it's, I watched the Vikings play the Titans earlier in the season. Even a guy like Raymond, I think his name's Khalif Raymond, another receiver on the Titans who has, has had a big touchdown catch against Baltimore last year in the divisional game. So there's three guys who are really, really good. And all of them are explosive athletes who can get down the field. Jonu Smith is one of the best tight ends in terms of athleticism in the, in the NFL so it's a really super athletic offense in Tennessee. They like to play fast. They like to play fast and they like to get big plays. So I think the best thing for Baltimore personally, I think whenever there's a team that has such explosive big play potential, it's to cause turnovers and just keep that ball out of their hands. It's so it's so simple yet so difficult because Ryan Tannehill doesn't make mistakes. Derrick Henry, I think only has a couple fumbles on the season. It's this offense doesn't really make mistakes who made mistakes last year's game. It was Baltimore. I think Baltimore had two turnovers in the first half and kind of lost the game before it was even to the locker room at halftime. Isn't that kind of right?
2: Yeah. Lamar had um, two interceptions that game, but he also had over 350 passing yards. I felt that the defense, it was honestly the defensive game and why they lost the game, but also a big part of last year, what I believe, is that we had the first round bye. They rested their stars week 17. I felt that they were overconfident. Um, they were looking over the Titans like they just barely made the playoffs or the sixth seed. We, had, we won 12 straight, and I felt that like that had a lot to do with the way that we played, um, and that's why we played the way we did, and we played like it was – like a preseason game like we didn't even try I remember watching that game and being so upset because I'm like looks like you're not even trying like how are you gonna win 12th street and then play like this so I I don't know I mean I'm personally not really a fan of like the bye week for the playoffs because I do think it shifts um the momentum it you rest uh your starters all those things so I kind of do like that we're playing them when we're hot we won five straight. we're playing them um, at a time that we're playing our best football to give us a shot to beat them, to beat them this time. And I absolutely do think that the Ravens have a chance of doing that.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you're totally right. That bye week, you don't have that chip on your shoulder. You have a target on your back instead. Everybody's gunning for you. You had Lamar Jackson, the MVP. When you see Lamar Jackson throw a pick early on in the game, you're like, oh my God, we're screwed. If Lamar Jackson's not playing his A game, How are we going to win? But this year, it wasn't Lamar Jackson, who was their MVP on offense. It was their team in general. I think they just played more overall team offense. And John Harbaugh kind of prepped this team to win without Lamar. Um, I think they have a new backup in there, too. It's not uh, McSorley anymore. Who's the backup in there?
2: Um, he was off the practice squad. I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Hunley. It's because oh, RG
0: Hunley, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: because RG three stills the hamstring injury, and of then always uh, hurt. The guys
0: always, yeah, hurt. he is
2: always here. <laughs> I feel like any other player would be over the hamstring injury by now. He's in
0: college, definitely <laughs> he's in college.
2: And then Tracy Sorley had the MCL sprain um, in the Browns game when Lamar went to do whatever he was doing in the locker room. (laughs) So, yeah, we had to bring up somebody from the practice squad now.
0: Yeah, well, you you mentioned Lamar Jackson, the pocket passer. I mean, it's crazy to think that, but in this game, if there is a game where pocket passing could be an option, it's against Tennessee. Teams have been shredding them um, in passing this year. Because they don't get to the quarterback. Jadavion Clowney has been hurt for the entire season. You're lucky you don't have to see him. Um, but they have nobody who can really get to the quarterback. They're the second worst PFF rated pass rush in the NFL. And Baltimore has the fourth best, um, uh, fourth best pass blocking uh, in the entire NFL according to PFF. So if you give Lamar Jackson a good amount of time, this could be a really dangerous offense. Do you think the Ravens win in a shootout? I wanted to ask you, do you think the Ravens could even lose if they score over 30? Because like I said, uh, they haven't done that since 2016.
2: Um, Well, since I think that the Ravens are going to win this game, no. But um, I think that it's – I think it is going to be a shootout. And I think that both the Titans offense and the Ravens offense is – going be producing a lot of points. I think it's going to be back and forth. Um, I think it's going to be a three-score game. I think that the Ravens are going to take this one, though. Um, I just feel, as of right now, that the Ravens are a better team. I mean, like, the Titans, like, they're a good team, but I feel that they do struggle, like – they lo- they've lost to teams like they shouldn't have. They lost to like, the Bengals. They lost to the Colts. I mean, the Colts aren't a bad team, but I just felt like they were better than them and they kind of just gave up that game earlier in the season. So um, I do think that the Ravens are are going to have a shootout with them. I think they are going to put up at least 30 points in this game.
0: Yeah, that's. I think so too. I think this is going to be one of the highest scoring playoff games even though the Ravens have a great defense, the Tennessee offense just plays so fast. They they're so well uh, oiled. They don't make mistakes. Uh, And if you're Baltimore, let them, you can let them get 28, even 35 points and still win this game. If you just play your brand of football and if the Baltimore Ravens, I think special teams, this is a game where special teams could win it for, for Baltimore. Um, the Tennessee Titans, they have the fifth worst special teams, according to PFF. And we know Baltimore's got the best kicker in football. I was watching highlights of the game last year in the divisional round. Justin Tucker m- made the first two scores for Baltimore with field goals. They were beautiful field goals. The guy never misses. So if this game comes down to Guskowski versus Justin Tucker, I'm, I'm taking <laughs> Justin Tucker every time.
2: Me too. And even when he Uh, does kick those field goals and say they're like 50 yards away there's still so much distance that could have been like 60 yards away and he still would have made that kick perfectly so if it's gonna come down to uh the ball in Lamar Jackson's hand with like a minute to go and we need a field goal to win I think that we could do it we just have to get um about those few yards so we can have Justin Tucker and play like we did against the Browns a few weeks ago
0: yeah Uh, and before I let you go, I just want to know, what is your final score prediction for this game? I want to write it down just so we can look at it next week.
2: Um, I'm predicting the score to be 30 to 27 and the Ravens win
0: 30 to 27, Justin Tucker. I'm thinking Justin Tucker game winning field goal. (laughs) Caitlin's prediction 30 now that's Andy's prediction. There we go. Caitlin's prediction 30, 27. You heard it here first. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Caitlin. Really appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go?
2: Um, All I'm going to say is uh, don't sleep on the Ravens this postseason. And the AFC is so competitive between all the teams, the Ravens, Titans, Bills, Chiefs, all of those teams. But don't sleep on the Ravens because I feel that we have a real shot this
0: year. Well said. Well said. I agree. I think the Ravens are going to get hot. And I'm always rooting for a team that wears purple. So Caitlin? <laughs> Thank you so much and good luck to you on Saturday. Uh it's Sunday, one right? o'clock. Sunday, one o'clock. Okay. Good call. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I won't miss the game now. Um, <laughs> all right. Have a good night, Kaelin.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Anytime, anytime. So that was Kaitlin McCarthy from the Kicking Off with Kaitlin podcast. And that is it for the North Pole for tonight, everybody. Um, we got another. AFC North matchup between the Steelers and the Browns. Talk about that game next week on the show and recap it for you guys. Really looking forward to that game. I I really hope Kevin Stefanski can get a chance to coach one more time for his team this season since he'll be out with COVID for this one. It's really a shame after 18 years of not making the playoffs, uh, Kevin Stefanski will not be on the sidelines for this game. But besides that, I have really nothing else to add. Go through the comments one more time. Lisa M- musico. Great show, Gabe. Thank you very much. Uh, and back to Andy's comment. I will not be giving a live demonstration of the Hawk and roll tonight. Uh, stay tuned. That might be for next time. I won't put anything, um, out of the equation there. I want to, I do need to teach some of these people out there, even NFL players, the proper way to tackle, but for Andy Hopper, Caitlin McCarthy and Gabe Flayton, thank you for watching the North pole and have a great night, everybody.